Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hey everyone, it's the Outlaw John Roca here. Before we start this episode of Geek Buddies, I want to let you all know something that I'm really proud of, and that is we have entered into our first ever sponsorship here on the Outlaw Nation channel, and that is with Carbon Health. They're sponsoring the channel and the Geek Buddies for the next couple of months, and I want to let you know that this is something I'm very excited about as the channel takes another step forward in its ascension. Carbon Health is a leading national healthcare provider with a mission to bring high-quality healthcare to everyone. They offer urgent care, primary care, and virtual care. They've got same-day appointments in clinics, either in person or virtually, and they're committed to removing traditional boundaries in healthcare and making high-quality, transparent, and personal care available to everyone. Hey, healthcare is a big deal in our worlds right now, a big deal in our lives. No matter what age you are, you got to be taking care of yourself. There's so much going on, especially with COVID and everything that's been going on out there. Taking care of yourself is essential. It's super important because healthcare should be within reach of you at any time that you need it. They have 90 clinics in 14 states, and they offer virtual care in 24 states. If there isn't a carbon health clinic in your area, take advantage of their virtual care services, which can be scheduled through their app or online. So Carbon Health, a great place to go and get your healthcare needs serviced for sure. And thank you to them for sponsoring us here on the Outlaw Nation channel and the Geek Buddies. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode from the Geek Buddies! As you can see above our head, this is our first official show sponsored by Carbon Health. Carbon Health has come along and they want to sponsor the Outlaw Nation show and the Geek Buddies, or the Outlaw Nation channel rather, and the Geek Buddies have been very kind to do so. And as you saw in my earlier clip, which these two didn't even know I recorded, we are involved with them, or not we're involved with them in terms of like, you know, fully involved with them, employed by them, but more like working with them. And they're sponsoring us here on the channel and the show. So exciting stuff. So thank you very much to Carbon Health, who is uh, presenting our Geek Buddies today. Um, How are you, gentlemen? How are things? How's it going? Have we recovered from this Spider-Man No Way Home madness? How are things? 
Well, thanks to our sponsor, I feel very healthy today. So <laughs> I feel great. Yeah, they're awesome. Shannon? Uh, yeah, likewise. Uh, what? I, I think that was the first time ever that uh, a few of us were, were texting at the same time. Oh, yeah. Like, well, is, is it 5 or is it 5.30? It's up. <laughs> and then the, te the text thread goes silent. Then yeah. we immediately start talking spoil trailer spoilers. Yeah, and then yeah. we find out one of us or outlaw <laughs> yeah hadn't seen it yet so we immediately went to another thread <laughs> yeah yesterday you look that that was a blast i mean i know yeah. some people can can talk about like well that was it's just a trailer it's just like so what that was that was fun that was yeah. that was a good time yeah fair enough fair enough yeah i was out there doing some grocery shopping so i apologize mikey what were you gonna say no i was gonna agree with shannon i think that uh you know i think a big part of geek culture in general is being really excited about things that other people don't get. And I think yeah. that kind of as John said on last week's show, growing up for a lot of people, you know, back in the 80s and stuff, it was not cool to be a geek. It's still, it's much cooler to be a geek now yes. than it was back then. But still, when we all lose our shit about a trailer or cry when portals open or all of the <laughs> things that we do, uh, there are still going to be people that are like, y'all are a mess. But you know yeah. what? I love that we're a mess. I love our geek messes, and I embrace them. A thousand percent. <laughs> you know, when Joe Maganiello gets an article in Variety about how he kept his D&D &D games going through COVID, that tells you right there that geekdom is very much a wide wide accepted thing widely accepted thing for sure um well let's say uh, for those of you who may be new to our show let's introduce ourselves i am the outlaw john roker writer producer and host here on the outlaw nation and the geek buddies mike i am michael vogel i'm a writer and producer of animated tv shows and movies Jan? and this is shannon mcclung i'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on brooklyn 99 silicon valley and modern family there you go. We got so much to get into today. We're going to jump into some trailers, jump into some news, jump into some controversial stuff with uh, some questions about a director, whether they would direct a superhero film or not. And we're going to break that thing down. The Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. That's our main topic. And speaking of our main topic, for those of you who are new to our channel or to our show, this is how it works. Each of us brings up a geek news item here in this first block. and We talk about it amongst ourselves. Take a quick break and jump into our main topic. And that is that Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. So uh, who's going to start us off first here? Again, I forgot. Is it, is, is it me? <laughs> it is you, Mikey. Take it is away. Is it me? Um, well, uh, if you are a nerd of the animated variety, then uh, you are no stranger to the world of Avatar, The Last Airbender, and Legend of Korra. And you also know that uh, Netflix is doing a live-action version of Avatar. Uh, they've cast already a lot of the kids, but big, big news this week uh, is some of the adults who've been cast. Uh, a week ago, Daniel Day Kim was announced to be Fire Lord Ozai. And now, uh, additionally, uh, Ken Leung from Lost and Star Wars Force Awakens is going to be playing Commander Zhao. And uh, Lim K. Siu from mm -hmm. Anna and the King is going to be playing the monk, the Air Nation monk Gyatso. And in probably the most exciting news, uh, uh, everybody's favorite, favorite New Resistance pilot and Kin Convenience Store uh, star, Paul Sun Hyung Lee, will be playing Uncle Iroh, which as anybody who knows Avatar knows, is the most important part in all of Avatar <laughs> because Uncle Iroh is absolutely one of the coolest characters in animation or maybe just television, period. Uh, Uncle Iroh is the bomb, and I don't think uh, there has been more perfect casting announced in recent memory. Um, I think it's amazing. So 
Uh, I know Johnny is not as familiar with Avatar I, I, and the yeah, world of Avatar. Yeah, I have Avatar. not seen it. No, no. And I know that Shannon, uh, upon multiple, multiple, multiple recommendations from me, finally watched <laughs> Avatar and Korra. So Shannon, as the newer fan of, uh, of, of the world of The Last Airbender, uh, what do you think of this news? I mean, with, uh, with, with uh, Lee's casting... Uh, so I was I was scrolling yesterday. That's how I found it. I saw, I saw it on social media. And as I, I see like last airbender casting and I just see the top portion of his face and <laughs> knowing his work from Kim's Convenience and from uh, The Mandalorian. As soon as I saw it was him, I was like, oh, my gosh, he's going to be Uncle Iroh. He's going to be Uncle Iroh. And then scrolling up quickly got the confirmation. I mean, just look at that. Like yeah. he, he was born to play that role. And yeah, as Vogel sure. said. Uncle Iroh is one of the greatest characters in animation. It was originally voiced, is, is it Mako or Mako? Uh, I think it's Mako. Yeah. Mako, okay. Yeah. So who who was, you know, in, in the Conan franchise back with Schwarzenegger. Um, such an amazing job, such an amazing voice performance. And watching that character's journey, you know, he's very integral to how Prince Zuko, who is, the main antagonist for a lot of the animated series um uh watching that journey watching how he affects change in this character like it, he's just he's just one of those characters that you hold near and dear uh mm -hmm. to your heart and daniel day kim as ozai i mean I, I i'm uncomfortable such... i'm uncomfortable <laughs> well, I, you're, you're, you're attracted you're to the bad guy <laughs> i i maybe the fire nation had a point maybe i'm changing sides i don't know <laughs> he, he is that is a very very attractive fire lord that's all i'm saying <laughs> well and the thing is i mean when you're looking at uh, however many seasons last year was it six that they had six no airbender was is only more? three seasons oh airbender is only three seasons okay right. yeah well, water, Ozai doesn't. Wa the water, the water. Book book one is water. Book two is earth. Book three is fire. You're right. You're right. Um, <laughs> but watching, but well, one knowing that you know he doesn't really come in towards the uh, until towards the end, and knowing that the live action uh, adaptation they are they are going to do their version of it and to announce his casting this early, yeah, it kind of tells us that Ozai is going to be probably going to be. A, a larger part of the narrative right off the bat. Mm -hmm. um, Ken Leong, you know, I've, I've always thought was good. Um, he, he's, he's been good in some very bad projects. That's um, true. That uh, is true. Like, you know, X-Men The Last Stand. <laughs> you know, he, he had one of the silliest powers, but still kind of made it look cool. Um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a great performer. So it really seems like they're, they're putting together quite the cast for this. Yeah, and I mean, and kind of to your point about uh, about Fire Lord Ozai being cast so early. I mean, a lot of a lot of what I've heard from people. Uh, obviously, it was really big news uh, when the Avatar creators kind of left the live action version uh, and then went back to Nickelodeon and started Avatar Studios. So big win for everybody. But from what I've heard, a lot of the creative differences involved uh, telling a story for live action versus telling a story for animation and. You know, we talk about this a lot. I think we were talking about this, uh, not on the show, but I think in person a, a, a couple weeks ago about the Disney live action movies. That when you do the Disney live action adaptations, when you do it shot for shot like the animated version, like Lion King, it, it's not that good. It suffers in comparison. And when you do things really differently, like Jungle Book, where you're telling a really different story, I personally think it works better. So as much as I love animated Avatar, and I really, really love it, 
Uh, I'm kind of excited for them to take a different swing at it. I'm kind of excited for them to clearly, based on the casting, based on everything we've heard, they're taking the material really seriously. Yeah. Even giving this casting news, they're casting some really great, huge names in it. And, you know, I would love to see the spirit of what I love about the animated series told in a different way. And I think that's going to be really, really interesting. I think that's going to be what makes or break, breaks the show. So I'm, I'm really curious to see where it goes. But so far, based on the casting, I'm super, super down. And to that point, before before you jump in here, John, um, knowing how uh, how the first two Harry Potter movies kind of worked out, that they mm. were very, very literal adaptations. Um, and to the point, like, yes, there's some wonderful imagery, um, but at the same time, they, there was there was nothing new about it. I mean, the, the, the franchise, and there are some people that love those first two movies, and, you know, God love them. Um, the franchise really kind of got that, that shot of energy from the third. Mm-hmm. from uh, Kiran's, from Prisoner of Azkaban. So I'm hoping that this is going to be the same situation with The Last Airbender and knowing that they're using the same, the, the volume technology that The Mandalorian used to create mm. because the world of The Last Airbender, that's a huge, that's a huge uh, and potentially very expensive world. Mm. So knowing that they're going to be able to employ some of the things that made The Mandalorian look so great um, is very, um, very good news, in my opinion, for for the series. Yeah, the only thing I can contribute is that I, I love all these actors, and I've seen them in numerous projects, and they've delivered great work. So, And the fact that they're all Asian here, which, of course, was the mistake of the <coughs> Shyamalan version here, the fact <laughs> that they're keeping true to what they've created here, and, you know, we're... It's, it's even more of an example of how it seems like overnight, all of a sudden, we've realized, hey, it's okay to cast these things race correctly or race-specific, and we're not going to lose money. We're not going to lose. It's incredible to see how that has happened in just a few years. Now everything, everyone's very aware of how you cast this thing. Where in the past, there were defenses all the time for it. Now it's very clear that they want mm-hmm. to stay specific to keep the fans happy. And this is great. It's progress. And that's what you want to see. And all of these actors, I think, I hope this is a great project because all these actors are delivering fantastic work in other projects. So I want to see them all come together and enjoy this. So I'm going to have the same debate I had about Cowboy Bebop. Should I watch these things before I watch this yes. live action? Ver- <laughs> yes. Okay. I've watched, I've, I've watched about, uh, <laughs> I've, I've watched about eight episodes of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, yeah. I don't know that I'll get all of them done before the live action, but I definitely have been enjoying right. my Cowboy Bebop watch. But I will tell you as a, as the person who's probably watched Avatar and La- and uh, and Korra <laughs> through maybe five times each, maybe wow. more, I don't okay. know. I, I just keep going back to it. Uh, a, you should do it. Mm-hmm. B, we should cover you doing it and talk about it on the show. Oh. I, I want to do oh, the outlaw wa- the outlaw watches Avatar and, and kind of relive it <laughs> with you in chunks is what I want to do. I might be down with that. Could be a fun little like extra bit of content we could put on the channel. That could be a lot of fun. I'm down with and, that. And, sure. And Johnny, you will love the character of Uncle Iroh. Like you okay. will absolutely love it. And I and I think that once you get through uh, Last Airbender, you'll want to launch into Korra right away. Which for me, Korra is is the kind of cooler show. Despite yeah. and that is no knock on Last Airbender. It's just how much I really I, I enjoyed Korra personally. Okay. All right. Well, there you go, you guys. Good, good suggestion. So if you both are on the same page, how can I not? So, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll explore that down the line for sure. All right. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the next uh, uh, subject, and that's on me. This is uh, something that came up uh, earlier today. I tweeted about this, and this is um, uh, coming from Variety uh, reporter Mark Malkin 
interviewed James Campion. They had this big headline, James Campion, who has a, the power of the dog coming in the next couple of weeks here at Western with Benedict Cumberbatch uh, and a number of other fantastic actors in this. I have yet to get a screening for this, which is driving me insane that I haven't been able to watch this Western uh, at all. So it's just frustrating, and I can't wait to see it. So I'm looking forward to it. Jane Campion, very established very well-respected filmmaker with a lot of films that have kind of uh, uh, captured people's attention for a number of decades here. She's back with this film, but she was being interviewed here by, as I said, by Mark Malkin. She was at this event at the AFI Fest uh, at the screening of her of her film here, and she was asked about whether she'd be interested in directing a superhero movie. And she said, I think it's safe to say that I will never do that. Uh, they're so noisy and, like, ridiculous. Sometimes you get a good giggle, but I don't know what the thing is with capes. Uh, grown man in tights i feel like it must come from pantomime and uh they also quoted her as saying i hate them i actually hate them so now this is not going to be let's go after her like they went after martin scorsese i am bringing this up to the two my two fellow geek buddies here because i tweeted about this and i and i said i would love it if reporters stopped asking these very serious uh, uh established filmmakers about whether they would direct a superhero film to me, and again, I want these gentlemen to tell me if I'm right or wrong on this or, or just kind of explore the two points of views. It feels to me like this is clickbaity stuff that shouldn't be happening at the expense of these filmmakers. And I say expense because most of the time, these superhero movies fans go after these filmmakers, make fun of these filmmakers. These websites write multiple articles denigrating. Like they went after Scorsese like crazy. And, now, and then Coppola after that and all these other filmmakers. And it's like, why are we still asking this question of people who would never go near a superhero movie? What are you getting out of this? And I think it's a bit of a betrayal to the filmmaker by going out, by putting them in this position, because waiting to get a, a fun response and then running with exclusive is what it said on the variety headline to try to get your attention. Uh, and real quick, the, the counter to this is Pedro Almodovar, who has parallel mothers coming out, which is great. I got a chance to see that last week coming out he was asked about it and he said he'd love to do a batgirl movie he just would like to do it by himself without any interference from the studio so at least you got a good response there but most of the time this doesn't end in a good response so gentlemen i throw it out to you all a what do you think about campion said and b do you think we're past asking these kinds of questions of these established serious filmmakers um, you know what, uh, as, as far as to what she said, like, look, if yeah. that's not her jam, that's not her jam. Right. Um, and I, I get what you're saying about like, should we, should, should reporters stop asking this question? Yeah. In my opinion, no, because, okay. you know, would we have known that Omar would have been down to do Batgirl if he could do it his way? Like, no, I mean, I, I think, I think the, the assumption is you have a, you know, uh, uh, erudite filmmaker like mm -hmm. him you wouldn't think that he would want to do a a superhero film but it, but he's saying like if i could do it under the right conditions yes mm -hmm. i think the filmmakers themselves have to take some responsibility for what they're saying because there is a way to say no without denigrating the form um you don't have to say like it's just silly to me it's good for a few laughs but men okay. in tights and capes i don't understand it like i i hate them i hate them i hate them it's like okay like you don't have you don't have to go that extra mile to uh, to basically just say no not my mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. okay that's my opinion michael well i'm i mean i think reporters are going to ask dumb questions 
I mean, <laughs> should, is it time for reporters to stop asking dumb questions? Sure. Reporters are going to ask dumb questions for the rest of time. Like they, reporters are going to try and get headlines and they're going to try and ask the questions to get headlines. So the question is going to get asked. And I think to Shannon's yeah. point, whether it's her or whether it's Scorsese or anybody, I do think you take a little bit of responsibility for what you say. Like, look, do I think everyone on social media needs to go after everybody who disagrees with them? No, but that's what social media is. So knowing True. that, like, be careful how you respond to things. Like, and I think that, I know that The Power of Dog is not, strictly speaking, just a Western. I know it's based on a book. Right. And it's a lot about queer identity and there's a yes. lot of things going on. But it's set in a time and it has sort of maybe some Western style overtones to mm -hmm. it. And I think that just as much as we are living in the era of superhero movies now, um, Hollywood at one point, the superhero movie was the Western. Mm. And you can literally take her quote and say, she says, I don't know what it is about these guys in capes and tights. And you can say, I don't know what it is about these guys on horses with with hats and, uh, and guns. You know, yeah. I think that like, we lived in a time where the industry, the entertainment industry, the film industry was so flooded with Westerns. It's all that you went to see. And mm -hmm. like there were articles back then about, you know, is what is the Western overtaking everything? And now really serious directors will t attack a Western. Like mm -hmm. they'll they'll take a Western and they'll whether it be the Coen brothers or anybody else. Uh, and again, yeah. I'm not saying Power of Dog is strictly speaking a Western. It's 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 a lot about a lot more things than that. Right. But. I do think that in the exact same way, superhero movies, the reason we get these answers and the reason that the more quote unquote serious filmmakers have this response is that there is a lot of people that feel like superhero movies are taking over the industry. Mm -hmm. But if you're if you're on the carpet for the premiere of your very not superhero film that's coming out, yeah. <laughs> industry seems to be doing fine. Um, and I do think that in general, this idea that you wouldn't even consider directing a film in a in an entire genre like it's mm -hmm. not even saying would you do a marvel film where you yeah. could say you know kevin feige is really directing that universe and i don't know that i want to just be a cog in that wheel if i was going to do a superhero movie i'd want to do it in my own way which right. is super fair like it's she's not even saying i wouldn't want to work at this one place she is saying this entire genre that has been around since the 1930s that is very much our modern day mythology no no it's silly i hate it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. definitely well, entitled definitely <laughs> entitled to her opinion right i think it's a little bit of a broad and misinformed opinion well maybe not misinformed maybe she just doesn't like them like she could very well have seen some of these and been like it's not really my jam it's not where i go and as you say i mean the uh, power of the dog is more as you say it's more than just a western exploring uh, uh the queer identity and all of that and, and and he's she's done that with a number of of her her films and tv shows top of the lake is hers she co-created yeah. top of the lake the one elizabeth moss is doing for and for some people who don't know piano she directed the piano which won uh anna paquin her oscar with uh, holly hunter and uh and uh harvey keitel she's done a number of films here holy smoke in the cut Bright Star, Angela, uh, the piano, Angela at my table, Portrait of a Lady. So a number of films that she's gotten a number of recognition for, uh, and she's an older um, uh, filmmaker. So I hear what you're saying. She has a responsibility to re respond with a little bit of tact and whatever. But I also wonder if maybe these reporters know how these how these directors are going to respond and and bait them into this oh. kind of reaction. And I think that bothers me at the end of the day, especially because of writing. I mean, this is different if 
if it's a smaller website or whatever, they try to get a gotcha question. What's your fucking variety? I feel like you have a responsibility to protect filmmakers in a certain situation and not ask them these kinds of questions. Do you know? I just, I just, to me, it just seems odd. No one's asking Stallone, Hey, are you going to direct portrait of a lady on fire? Like, are you going to direct, uh, <laughs> you know, this EM e. James novel? They're not asking him those kinds of questions. So I think it's a bit of a, of a kind of, um, uh, you know, I don't know. It just it feels like a bit of a, a purposeful uh, dodge or whatever. They're trying to make that person, get into trouble that are trying to use that person for clicks. And I think if you, if you say you respect filmmakers, then don't go over here and, and ask a question so you can use these established filmmakers who've created some fantastic work for clicks. That's I mean, <laughs> sure. That's my point. sure, but again, I would just come back to the fact that like, that's literally what reporters jobs are and have been since the beginning of like asking a politician Asking somebody like a gotcha question, trying to get the quote, trying to get the soundbite, yeah. whether it's people coming out of court or going into the Senate or walking the red carpet, right. you want to ask that question. And so again, I think that the onus, like reporters are going to report and reporters are going to try and get the quote so that they can get the great story and the headlines, which is what we're right. discussing right now. And that's again, where I think like, hey, would you ever direct a superhero movie? Oh, you know, I don't know that that's my vibe. I don't know that I have a lot to say in that world, but I yeah. certainly respect the people that do. Like, it's really easy. You don't have to, you don't have to shit on, and I know she's not, but I mean, you don't have to take like, hey, James Gunn, Taika Waititi, Chloe Zhao, the Russo brothers, Zack Snyder, everybody who likes to play in that sandbox and mm -hmm. say, oh, I don't know why they even do that. I think it's so silly. But she didn't say that. She just said, well, she and it did, isn't though. for me, and the capes and whatever, and it's 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 good for a giggle. Or But here's the deal. Isn't that okay, though? I, I feel it like is. it's okay to be honest that you don't like them. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, 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 and we can move on and say, you know what? She doesn't like them. No big deal. Do we have we, to go after her? That's the problem. That I no, have. no. And they no. know so, what they're fucking doing because this instigates fans to go after. I'm no, sorry. people, people should not go, <laughs> should not go after a filmmaker because they they think little of that of that medium. Yeah. Like, no, that's not the right thing to do. But at the same time, you know, we live in a social media age, yeah. And you know, the the uh, uh, transfer of information happens very fast right now, right. and. And again, I, I mean, I get that, again, she's a she's a very you know elite filmmaker. Yeah. She would have to know that the last time a, 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 a story filmmaker took a jab yeah, at this it's sort of cool. sort of an unprovoked jab yeah. that it it came back to to bite them. So it's like, OK, if you know this is probably going to happen because people, you know, people are, are dumb, especially when they are, are protected by the anonymity of the Internet. Um, yeah. They they will get unnecessarily well, aggressive. Like, why do it? Like, just say but, no. But again, and again, look, I absolutely agree. Like the given the anonymity of the Internet and people being stupid and aggressive and yelling yeah. and saying, like, uh, over the top shit is dumb. And hey, don't do that. But again, and it's the same with Scorsese, like to your point. It is a thousand percent okay to not like superhero movies and to not want to direct a superhero movie. Right. It is, it's, there is absolutely nothing even a little bit wrong with that. And there's also nothing wrong with saying it publicly. Mm -hmm. But when you say it the way that she said it, or when you like Scorsese, just call them amusement park rides or whatever, yeah. 
you also have to take responsibility for the thing you said. Like, and again, I do I'm not, I think so too. I'm not, I'm not super angry at her. I think right. it's kind of a silly quote and I'm not like, oh, how dare she? Uh, but <laughs> if you love superhero movies or you are a director or writer or producer mm. who works on superhero movies and a serious, uh, well-respected person in your field denigrates the thing that you do, you know, I mean, I write My Little Pony and I'm currently working on Strawberry Shortcake. Yeah. Anybody can feel free to say, ugh, those little girl shows on eight, based on 80s shows, like in 80s mm. toy brands, like there's nothing artistic about that. I would never do that. And they have every right to say it. It'd probably piss me off. Really? Okay. All right. But shouldn't we strive to be secure enough in our job that we don't give a shit what a filmmaker says about what you do? Shouldn't we strive to be? And that's what I think about at the end of the day. I don't get the point of asking these questions. I understand. I mean, I, I get it obviously because it's clickbaity, or whatever. But I just don't. I don't. I. I so, you're, I so you're I, saying? So it is you. I just want to be clear. I just want to be clear. I just gotta. I'm thinking through this. Okay. You, John yes. Roca the Outlaw. I yes. <laughs> are saying that when someone says shit about us on the internet, I'm not there. I'm not there. Strive I'm to be we should better. Strive to be better. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm striving every day to be better. It's not easy. It's not mm. easy. I'm currently going back and forth with somebody who's upset that I'm going to be playing at Spectacular and I'm going after his sports fandom. So I, I'm not good at it. I'm trying harder, though. And I'm nowhere near where I used to be going after everybody, which was a lot of back and forth, which wasted my damn time. So, But anyway, and yeah. I, I highly doubt Kevin Feige or Christopher yeah. Nolan, anyone that has worked in that medium, that they are, that they are losing sleep yeah. over what Jim Campion thinks. But someone like Ryan Coogler, who definitely, you can tell, the foundation is um, a more independent, classics, uh, uh, a more elite approach to filmmaking, you could, maybe that kind of might have irritated him. That's probably oh, I, I, don't think, I highly. I don't think I don't, think, he, I don't think it. I don't think it really. I don't think it really irritated anybody. I think Shannon's okay. right, and I don't. And I don't think it's about whether or not it irritated. I think the underlying point, and where I think she's just wrong, and I think anybody's okay. wrong. I think that saying that an entire genre of anything mm -hmm. is silly or ridiculous, I think, is a little bit not fair. Like, like okay. I think that. I think whether it be ho the f horror genre or yeah. animation as an entire industry and part of film or uh, rom-coms or teen comedies or anything and kind of saying the entire genre is not even worth considering, I think is just a little unfair. It's not even just about superhero movies. I think okay. that uh, any genre can be elevated depending on the story that you tell. Put that quote. I'm going to capture that quote. Uh, all right. Let's move on to our next uh, section of the show here. Uh, trailers with Shannon McClung. Oh, you didn't say it the right <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was the most, that was the saddest. Shannon, show them how it's done. What a, what a transition. Trailers, trailers, trailers. There we go. There, if I didn't want to do that, I didn't want to steal it from you. Go do it. I just wanted to set you up. Just We've got the three, but we're only going to talk about two in this section because we're going to take yeah. a break and talk about the last one as our main topic. But the first trailer we're going to talk about today is the second look at Turning Red. This is the this is the new Pixar film. Uh, uh, this trailer was just an absolute delight. It is about a girl in in Canada who discovers that when she um, gets stressed, 
she turns into a giant red panda. This is literally the Teen Wolf story that we didn't know that we wanted. Sandra <laughs> Oh voices the mom in this. Uh, gentlemen, I'll throw it to you first. What did you all think of our second look at Turning Red? I think you take uh, a female coming of age story in Teen Wolf and put them together with boy bands and this is what you get and I'm ready for it. Uh, I love, I do love that we now live in a world where we can have a period piece that is set in the 2000s. Uh, that makes me a little bit uncomfortable, but cool. Um, I think the animation looks amazing. Uh, I think May as a character, I think half of the internet is already in love with her. Um, and I think it's just great. I think it's doing what Pixar does really well, mm. which is taking a over-the-top, broad, visual and cartoony story and doing something with it that you know is going to get deep, that you know is going to be emotional, and that you know is going to be about a lot more than, say, like what Team Wolf was about. Like, I don't mm. think this one culminates in, will she use her powers to win the basketball game? I feel like Pixar is going to get a little <laughs> bit deeper. Um, and, and the boy band part of it... Um, the boy band part of it, I'm I'm super, super into. Uh, I think that's great. I think uh, Billie Eilish and Phineas did like three songs for it. So I think, we're, you know, it's going to be like, there's going to be actual full boy band songs yeah. in this movie. And the boy band piece of it plays a major role. So I'm, I'm super excited. I mean, I would be excited about any Pixar movie that's coming out and sit here right. and tell you how stoked I was. But I think this trailer just like hit all the right notes. Yeah, I like this trailer. I like the first kind of teaser we got with it. And, you know, the story here of how, you know, and yeah, we're seeing it through a young a girl's point of view. But of course, uh, kids at that age, you know, how they deal with their hormones, how they deal with how they how they view themselves, um, whether they feel ugly, whether they feel attractive, you know, um, how, they, how they feel when their body is changing. Yeah, when their body is changing, the pressure on them uh, at school and all of that. And then kind of exploring the fact that there's a heritage here. There's something with their family. There's an ethnicity. There's an ethnic connection here that goes back. And what does this mean? All of that. Just really great to once again, open the door to exploring more of this. We're on the precipice of Encanto coming out and that, you know, Encanto got a really strong reaction out of me and it's because it opened the door to exploring my heritage again from the past. And so opening the door to explore their heritage here, the Asian heritage here in this movie is exciting. You know, we talked about Avatar earlier. This is exciting too. This is great. Love the boy band stuff. So it feels more universal. Everyone going through the same experiences, but that scene where all the kids hug her and then boom, she goes back to being herself. Like there's a, there's lessons here to be taught still for new generations coming up that I think is going to be great to see in this movie and the colors are vibrant. The animation yeah. is exciting. And so all of that gets me uh, very stoked to see. Plus, I love the design of uh, what she turns into. It's such a cute little design, even though it's on a massive scale. And that scene where she's like stopping that girl from saying OMG and slowly moving her back into this bathroom stall was funny as hell. So I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of what we saw here. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to seeing what the movie is all about. Yeah, and 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 I think John hits upon a really, really great part of the trailer. It's just the mm. physical comedy mm, that goes yeah. along with this. Like you see that she's able to sort of um, uh, manage her red panda transformation into certain body parts. Um, <laughs> what a great closing shot at the end where she a, a, a kid kind of uh, makes fun of her and she has a dodgeball and she gets a red panda arm and and launches this projectile at this little piece of shit and the shriek that he lets out. <laughs> so, so funny. Um, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I, I can't tell you how much 
I, I, I laughed at this one, um, but I believe this one is coming out um, uh, this this coming March in 2022. Yeah. So cool. our second trailer, holy crap! So this is Don't Look Up. This is the second trailer. This yeah. is the second trailer. This is uh, what a cast: uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Tyler Perry, Timothy Chalamet, Jonah Hill, Meryl Streep. I believe this is most of their most of their first foray into the Netflix uh, movie world. But it is essentially about oh, oh, Kate Blanchett. Thank you, Michael. Um, but yeah, it's basically about two astronomers who go on a giant media tour to warn mankind that there's a comet coming that is going to destroy the planet Earth. And you kind of uh, uh, frame it in something that's very similar to our current political spectrum. Yeah. We're literally saying something bad is about to happen. And you have folks on one side of the aisle mm -hmm. who are actively saying it isn't and trying to profit off of it. Mm -hmm. But gentlemen, what did we think at the heart of that look at Don't Look Up? I did not see the first trailer, I think. Okay. I think I missed it. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, let me watch this trailer. And I watched it. And the best part of this was, I was like, all right, so Netflix is doing a movie. Oh my God, this cast. And the first 15 seconds of the trailer, I was like, Oh God! We're doing another asteroid hitting the Earth thing. Somebody, <laughs> oh, dear somebody you. needs somebody just needs to do a freaking parody of this and just make fun of it because holy! Oh no! Okay, that's what this is. Cool, 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 cool. Like I literally <laughs> like I had a whole and then yeah, similar to you, I was like, okay, I get it. Like this is the hey, you know all those movies where an asteroid is literally coming to destroy the planet. Let's do the climate change version, the uh, uh, version of that. And I was like, this is brilliant. This is so. It was so ridiculous and so funny and every actor in this trailer looked like they were having the absolute time of their lives uh also meryl streep for president oh my god approved yeah approved Oof. uh it was just it was fantastic <laughs> and if the if the movie can deliver you know netflix movies um high production value mm -hmm. amazing casts spotty on the how good they are you know sometimes you right. get a big winner sometimes you get one that you're like eh. um this one looks like it could be a home run and if it is as good as it looks like it's going to be uh i'm i'm so down for it yeah i like the trailer for the most part certainly for the things you said shannon the fact that they are kind of taking this fantastical story and then making it very topical to what's going on here in our world and not just climate change mike covid whatever you want to bring yeah. up where there's people on one side claiming it's not actually happening and they say it's all conspiracy theory. And there are other people going, what is wrong with you? This is really happening. And then you've got the talking heads, you know, with that scene where Tyler Perry, and I don't know who the actress is that's playing. Is that Kate Blanchett playing the, the news? Yeah. yeah. She's was so it good. really? I, th I think yeah. that's her. Yeah. playing. The I didn't know that was her. And she's doing really great work. And she says, like, you know, uh, but the, the angry lady, she does. She it's good if she doesn't come back. And so and then she ends up in bed with DiCaprio. So what? what, what so it's it's so which is, of course, kind of on the nose of getting in bed with the, the, the talking heads there. But I, I think it's so brilliant that we're going to explore it this way. And look, this is what McKay has been doing for the last few years, ever since the big short in device. And now into this is kind of skewering our society, skewering our American society, you taking that Ricky Bobby sentimentality and putting it towards like real things. And I think he's done an excellent job for the most part. You can not like or like vice. It's up to you. But I thought his intention was, was good. And same thing here. Uh, and so seeing all this cast come together, it looks good. My only issue. Well, and I do want to say one more thing that might get me in trouble. 
this is a sexy ass Meryl Streep. I don't know what anybody has said. Her in that red power suit, I was like, please come dominate me. She looked hot as hell in that suit. And I've never felt 100% that way about Meryl Streep. So it kind of did a weird number on me emotionally. But the thing that I didn't like is I don't like the, uh, Jude um, Hill. Is that uh, his? Jonah Hill? Jonah, Jonah Hill. Sorry, Jonah Hill. I knew I had the wrong name wrong. I was thinking Jude Law and uh, something else at the same time. But yeah, Ju uh, uh, Jonah Hill, his comedy, I, I thought hit all the wrong notes. Uh, him is, hey, let me, you know, that kind of comedy. I think that kind of comedy is grating on my nerves nowadays. I just, the, the whole commentary about the commentary, making making it real clear that you're commentating on the commentary, just kind of makes me, uh, it just irritates me. So I didn't, I didn't enjoy him and any of his moments. So there, where you, Michael, you're saying they might not, they may not always get it right on Netflix, and certainly Red Notice didn't get it right. This could be a situation where I think they might falter in certain scenes of this movie. But I have to say, I'm excited to see it, and I hope it's good. Yeah, uh, uh, DiCaprio's ability to play low status, <laughs> yeah. in in and again, a in a you know, in a trailer in just a couple of minutes. Mm. Um, it's a, it's a really uh, a strong testament to him as an actor. The fact that this guy can play uh, just that quick look, just can play such a hangdog. Um, yeah. Just fantastic. Yeah. And uh, uh, we didn't talk about the wicket casting, but uh, Ariana Grande mm. and it, I, I was not like the most jazzed. the quick look here. I'm like, man, eh, eh, she, she's funny. She <laughs> so, can act. What the hell? Okay. Okay. Have you not watched her on the Disney shows? She can act. Why, why uh, are people? I, you know what? I I missed her on the Disney shows. Oh, <laughs> we'll see. see. We'll see. see. We'll so, see about. We'll see so about Jane, Linda. Jane Campion can't denigrate a whole general, but you guys can de denigrate Ariana Grande. Okay, all right. Did I denigrate well, her? I, I was mean, <laughs> silly was on the it was on the tip of both your tongues. I know there was nothing on the tip of Jane Campion's <laughs> tongue. It was full on out there. That's, that's I mean, look, we can get into my thoughts on Ariana Grande as Glinda if you want, but I know we have a No Way Home trailer to talk about, and I will I will veer this whole show off the rails and go musical theater. I'll that's do true. it. That's true. That's true. Let's not do that. That was for last Veer week. right off the, the, the <laughs> golden brick rails. So Don't Look Up oh, yes. is going to be out uh, Christmas Eve on Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. Uh, cool, cool, cool. All right, well, there you go. That's our uh, opening block here of stories. Thank you all so much much we're going to take a quick break and we're going to jump into our main topic which is breaking down this spider-man no way home trailer and we'll be right back right after this here comes the spider-man uh, and he came last, well, he came, he showed up last night for sure. Spider-Man No Way Home, um, first official trailer that dropped last night. Lord God almighty, people went insane for this, as, as Shannon alluded to earlier in the show. Uh, you know, all this over a trailer? Yes. I mean, it, clearly, this was insane. There were events in Los Angeles. There were screenings being hosted. It was maddening how many people were involved in this thing. People were sitting there by their computers at 5.30, ready for that trailer to drop to watch it and react to it. Uh, and it certainly got a very strong response. We got to see uh, all, almost all the Sinister Six. People are still questioning who the sixth member could be. Dr. Strange, we possibly saw um, in invisible form. Uh, to other Spider-Man or something else. We don't know. Uh, but a lot of people were uh, certainly upset that Toby nor Andrew Garfield appeared in this trailer. 
but we did get more of the overall story of what we're going to get in the film. So let's just first start with our overall reactions and then start kind of breaking this thing down and, and seeing what our theories are about the movie. Uh, Mikey, let's go to you first. What do you think, man? I mean, it was a hell of a trailer. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it confirmed a lot of things. It raised a lot more questions. True. Um, and it did what a good trailer does. I mean, you know, like, I think the the teaser trailer kind of confirmed that we had villains coming in and we, a lot of stuff that we already knew but confirmed it. Yeah. And this trailer did a really nice job of kind of giving us the shape of what the movie uh, is going to be. You know, and I think I think that we got a lot more information about what's going on with the villains. We got a lot more information about why it looks like Spider-Man and Doctor Strange are at odds, which mm -hmm. makes me think that this is not some mysterious Doctor Strange, but it's just really Doctor Strange. Um, but I think uh, I have a lot of questions about who the sixth member... I, I don't know that you can do a Spider-Man movie and not have a Sinister Six, and mm. we have a strong five, and I, I really am curious... Um, but yeah, I thought it was great. I, I am worried for a lot of people. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very worried for Ned right now. Very worried for Ned. Yeah. I'm a little bit worried for MJ, but I'm more worried for Ned and I'm worried for Peter because I don't know if he's emotionally going to make it out of this movie. Okay. Like I, he's got a lot, got a lot going on here. Uh, and I feel bad for all Spider-Men that were digitally erased from this trailer. <laughs> if that was them. Uh, Shannon, uh, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. Don't worry. Shannon, what did you think overall of this trailer? Oh, I thought it was an absolute blast. Mm. Uh, just so much fun getting to see more of Alfred Molina's Doc Ock and that revelation that when uh, uh, Tom Holland's uh, Spidey mask sort of nanotechs off, and that moment that you see Molina goes, you're not Peter Parker. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, so, okay, okay, that confirmation, confirmation. <laughs> um, that's not his Spider-Man. Um, look, I thought it was an absolute blast. And something that I thought was really interesting um, was you see basically what I'm getting is Doctor Strange. Like, look, it is their fate. It is their fate to die. It is mm -hmm. their, it, these villains, they have to die. Right. And Tom Holland, Tom Holland's Peter Parker, this is in the aftermath of the first time that I wouldn't say he killed Mysterio, but he was certainly right there when yeah. it happened. This is the aftermath of someone who, ha who has been uncomfortably close to taking a human life. Like we saw mm -hmm. him, we saw, we saw his uh, nano spider legs probably kill a bunch of Thanos's army. Um, yeah. But this is the first time he's like, he was part of uh, someone losing their life. And so even though he knows that these are bad guys, that, uh, uh, he doesn't want to be a part of their deaths. Mm -hmm. So super, super interesting. Love the look at Jamie. Love the look of Jamie Foxx in this. Yeah. I'm really curious. Oh my God, yes. If if this Max Dillon is Max Dillon from this world or Max Dillon from the other world. Like really, really curious. I, Overall, it was just a blast. Yeah. Okay. I, I'll, also, in. just really quickly, uh, to what you were saying about Peter... Yeah. And this whole, it's their fate to die. I mean, don't forget, I do think it's really interesting, just thematically. I don't think this means any super secret thing, but in the Doctor Strange What If episode, it was literally Doctor Strange trying to save somebody who was fated to die. Yep. Yep. And here we have a, 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 a Peter Parker saying, I'm not, I don't want this to go down. And hit Doctor Strange being the one that's like, they've got to go. And I think that's a really interesting twist as well. Just having seen what Doctor Strange would do if it was someone important to him and seeing how Peter reacts to the fact that he, other versions of him are the reason that these people die. I just thought it was an interesting little yeah. 
shade to all of it. Um, you know, I spent an hour and a half doing a live trailer reaction to this movie last night. It was insane. We had like 500 people watching me live talking about this thing and breaking it down and going through it. And I'll tell you this, my first reaction, I loved it, just like Shannon and, and Mikey. I loved it. I had such a great time. I didn't care that Toby and Andrew weren't in. It didn't bother me at all because there was enough here to enjoy. Even if they don't show up in the movie, and we'll debate that in a little bit, but even if they don't show up in the movie, I think this is a great approach to spider-man this shows john watts progression as a filmmaker from that first film which is very grounded very street level to the second film, which is out in europe so expanding the world a little bit more you get mysterio and all of that to this this looks like on a whole nother level visually and i think it's brilliant just the simple shot of spidey through the fucking power wires with his knees up and shit like something you've seen from the distance on animated shows just to see that happen again i was like oh my god this is brilliant and then all that stuff around the Statue of Liberty with the Captain America shield and all this, this uh, you know, purple magic going on. Ooh, Agatha, purple magic going on. All of that. So interesting, uh, top to bottom. But And I also think they have lied to us for three minutes of this trailer. They, we don't know who's who and what's what. Because I tell you right now, there are two different hairstyles on Doc Ock. There are two different colored claws on Doc Ock. One is all silver. One is red, gold, and silver. So what does that mean? Doctor Strange is wearing two different outfits. He's wearing the cloak, but then he's wearing all black with what he's wearing there on top of the Statue of Liberty at the end. Who is that riding? Is that Hobgoblin on that little scooter there or whatever it is, a flying scooter, whatever it is? And then you get the Green Goblin. So there's so many things here. And I'll tell you this right now. It was like Sinister Six versus Spider-Man. I don't see it. I think Doc Ock is going to be on Spider-Man's side. I think Doc Ock is going to be on Tom Holland's side, on Peter Parker's side. The fact that they spent a lot of that trailer really establishing Alfred Molina's Doc Ock leads me, leads me to believe that. Also, remember, he's a good man. The one we got in Spider-Man 2 is a good man. It was the arms that betrayed him. When he woke up from the arms betrayal, realized what was happening, he sacrificed himself. And that tells you this is a good person. So I wonder if he's the one that is punching lizard and breaking his damn neck in that Brazil clip that, that was dropped on Twitter. So I don't, or if, is that venom? Is that venom punching? Cause that ain't a regular Spider-Man snapping the neck of that lizard with a punch. Lizard has taken a lot of punches with Spider-Man and not had his neck completely snapped around. So there's a lot here to explore for sure. and break it all. Mike, I know you want to chime in. I know you want to chime in. And one last thing, Shannon, I agree with you on the look of Electro. First thing I said when I saw him, he looks like another version of Black Adam, that kind of darker black with the gold lightning. It was brilliant. So I loved seeing Jamie Foxx getting another shot at playing this character and getting some, getting a new look to it that looks more badass than the one we got in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Okay, Michael, please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I think it's okay for superheroes to change their clothes, Johnny. Just saying. Uh, you might be right. You might be right. You might be right. <laughs> I, all, bets, the, all bets are off with this thing, although I yeah. do think with the amount of complexity to the story that they're already building mm -hmm. up. I don't think we're going to see like multiple Doc Ocks. I think if I was going to, if I was going to hazard a guess, uh, hair, hairstyle aside, I think that the explanation about those, uh, those octopus arms that he yeah. has turning a different color that happened to be the same color as Spider-Man's, uh, uh, Tony Stark suit, iron Dang. spider suit. Yeah. I think, I think that there's some absorbing of some nanotechnology there. That oh. would be my guess. Okay. That, that would be, That's fair. Uh, why we see Spidey in all other kinds of costumes later in the movie because uh, that does, he doesn't have access to that anymore would be like the guess that I would hazard. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's the Hobgoblin. I think that that is uh, Willem Dafoe without his Power Rangers mask on. Um, oh, interesting. I think, okay. I think that 
First of all, I will say, I will give them credit. I never thought I would be happy to see that goddamn Power Rangers costume again. <laughs> Me too, I, I, I never thought that I would see that thing on screen and go, this is amazing. The last <laughs> thing I would use to describe that thing. But I think it's great that that shows up. But I think that, you know, just based on like the uh, the voiceover we got from Willem Dafoe and everything, I think they are, if you are like me, not the biggest fan of the original Spider-Man movie and how they did Green Goblin, mm. I feel like we might get a much more interesting Willem Dafoe, Norman Osborn in this movie. Mm. Uh, and I think that will include probably him kind of maybe getting rid of the mask or losing the mask and kind of putting on something else. And so I think that's probably what we're seeing there. You think that old man, character. you think that old man is on the thing flying around? You think that's the, you think it's yeah. not his son? You don't think it's he's, his son? He's, he's not old. This is, this is, this is Willem Dafoe from 2000, what, 2002? I don't yes. know where we're getting the Willem Dafoe from. I don't know what year I'm he's going to be. I'm pretty sure that's universe. it. It sounds I mean, like he's still I mean, wearing it sounds outfit. Like, I get that, but well, yeah. it sounds like. And again, it sounds like we don't know. Yeah. Like we talked about the last trailer. We were wrong about half of what we thought. But it sounds like these villains, when this whole spell that Doctor Strange cast went wrong, were pulled away just prior to their deaths. Yeah. Uh, like the battle with Doc Ock uh, in the trailer, I believe takes place on the Hudson Bridge, which is where he mm. died in Spider-Man 2. So I think these guys are kind of like pulled from where they died, which would put him circa 2002 Norman Osborn. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the whole point. I mean, the whole right. we now know we now know what no way home kind of means. Like mm -hmm. there's no way home for these guys. They're dead. Like there's no there's no going back. And Peter Parker wants to change that. Uh, is what it seems like. To so me. that that may be connected to your first point, right, Mike? The idea of Doctor Strange saying they have to die at your hands, and since you're taking them from the moment right before they die, for whatever reason, they've got to still die. And so, as you said, Spider-Man I mean, trying to maybe turn that around. Yeah, I don't think that, and I don't think that Doctor Strange is trying to get Peter to go out and kill them all. No, no. I no, think no. that, but I think that that box, that magical box that we saw in the teaser that we see now, clearly is tied to how they are supposed to catch these people i mean when 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 the when the three of them when ned and mj and spidey mm. and peter are talking to doc ock he's it looks like they're in the basement of the sanctum santorum after yeah. they got all ripped up yeah. in the spell and yeah. he's in some kind of cell like i'm assuming it's kind of like superhero pokemon like mm -hmm. go catch them all put them over here and then let's send them back so that they can die as they're supposed to yeah but he's also yeah. outside the containment unit when he says to them you guys are chasing ghosts you guys yeah. are out here chasing ghosts. So. I agree with you, by the way. I mean, I think you can still do a Sinister Six and have them be not just all trying to kill Spidey. Like, yes. I think that I think that you are just as an homage to the comics. I think there's a villain that we don't know yet. I think whether it be Venom, whether it be a character within Peter's world, whatever it is, mm. I think that there's probably one other big reveal that we don't know yet. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do agree with you that I think that. Otto Octavius is at least for a portion of this movie oh, more yeah. of an ally than an enemy. Absolutely. Just based yeah. on the trailer. I think that's I think that's a pretty safe bet. Sure. Yeah, and and based off of the the five villains that we've seen in the trailer, um yeah, there's going to be a sixth one. I don't think you have five. Right. You're so close to six. Um who yeah. who it will be, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be Venom because it seems like most of these bad guys or not even most, all these bad guys have a relationship with Spider-Man that predates this story. And at this mm -hmm. point, the only relationship that Venom has is in the post-credit sequence of Let There Be Carnage, where he sees a picture of him. So yeah, I mean that could count. It could. Um, is it gonna be Mysterio? I don't know. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, uh the glasses said said he was dead. Outside of that, I'm 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 struggling to think like the only other 
villain that has had a relationship with a Spider-Man is Topher Grace's uh, Eddie Brock. And so well, I but see God that. So that, all. so here's the thing. God help us all. And I mean, I'm not arguing for Venom. Like anyone who <laughs> listens to the show knows that I don't necessarily want those two streams to cross, but uh, <laughs> they make a point in that closing credit sequence of Venom that symbiotes are all connected and yeah. all remember each other's shit. So, so it there could be is, the Topher so, Grace symbiote. So, symbiote. <laughs> so, so that the so that uh, Tom Hardy's symbiote could very well have been pulled into the world because mm. of Topher Grace's symbiote. Right. That is a stretch. I don't. I. I. I don't think slash. I don't hope that's where they go. Um, you know. I. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's going to be maybe, maybe it's some, like I said, maybe it's Ned. Maybe it is Dr. Strange. Maybe it's mm -hmm. someone completely different. Like maybe it's Mysterio. Maybe Michael Keaton shows it. Like it could be anything. Like oh, yeah. there's a lot Vulture. of, yeah. there's a lot of uh, potential places that they could go with it. The only thing that I do think is weird and I'm sure they'll explain it is Sandman didn't die in Spider-Man three. Right. Like, so this whole idea that they all die at Spider-Man's hands, they would have to give us a little bit more exposition about what happened with Sandman in that world, and maybe he mm -hmm. eventually he did die at Spider-Man's hands, but he certainly didn't die at the end of Spider-Man three. So that's yeah. that's going to take a little bit of explaining. Well, ran into, two a, things. Ran into a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Jesus, two things. A big one. Uh, who is Lizard? Which Lizard are we getting? Are we getting the Dylan Baker Lizard? Are we getting the Reese Ifans Lizard? What Lizard are we getting that's going to be part of this thing? Because we saw him jumping in those final moments in the trailer, jumping. Well, to, I mean, to get punched. Dylan Baker never turned into the Lizard. Um, oh, okay. And this, and that's from from you know from a distance. That's the same design. Yeah, that's the same as design. Like the lizard from the this is Spider Man. Okay, what okay. Yeah, what we are seeing is we are seeing uh, three characters from the Raimi verse and two yeah. characters from the other one. Mm. Um, but like those, all five of those characters. And this is why I don't think we're going to get into Hobgoblin. And this is why I don't think that we're going to get into a bunch of other things. Is because as far as like nerds like us who could go all day on that. Uh, you could do anything, but I think for the movie going public saying, hey, these bad guys from these other five Spider-Man movies are now in this movie. Mm. That's a that's a pretty easy jump to make. Here's, here's Shannon and I looking at Michael as soon as Hobgoblin shows up at the at the screening. Hi, I'm, I'm super down. I'm super down to be wrong. Like, like I this is one of those things where it's like if if all of a sudden rips off his face and it's James Franco or it's a hobgoblin from another universe or it's Ned on that thing or like anything or, you know, all that, like whatever it is, like if the Statue of Liberty turned into Mephisto and hit them all with that giant shield, I'd be like, cool, I'm in. Let's do it. I, 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 it could be Dane DeHaan as another version of Green Goblin. It could be Dane DeHaan. He said he's not in it, but it could be him. That's certainly possible. Younger approach uh, for sure. We haven't seen him in a while. And he's in the hood, so who knows? And he wore that hood, I think, in, in Amazing Spider-Man. So mm, no, he didn't. Know? No, he didn't. He he he, didn't. he transformed. He kind of. But did he did, a didn't Dr. he wear Jekyll. a hood though when he was in the movie as <laughs> no, Dane he Don. just had he just had a suit on. I didn't. Okay. I don't. I I could be wrong. I don't remember right. a hood. Yeah, the character. Have that I'm more interested in, yeah. is that I'd like to get your guys' take because we haven't talked about it. Yeah, yeah. Is this Max Dillon from the MCU universe or is this Max Dillon from Amazing Spider-Man 2? Because that Max Dillon, pre-transformation, he was a nebbishy kind of nerdy dude. And then once he became a, a Electro, yeah. um, he became a completely different character with a completely different uh, uh, speaking pattern. So my, my guess is that Max Dillon is from 
the MCU universe because he just looks, mm. he, he looks, looks too different. He looks more I, confident. I, yeah. Again, yeah. I just think that I think it's too this much. Story, this, well, it's just like, like, listen to what the story, like the Max Dillon from the MCU didn't die at Spider-Man's hands because mm. he's a Max Dillon who is not like, like this story right. is about characters who were pulled from other universes right, who right. die at Spider-Man's hands and Peter Parker doesn't want that to happen and Doctor Strange is like, that has to happen. So right. I think this is absolutely, now maybe they are going to pull back on that nebbishy kind of cartoony personality he had at the beginning and just let him be in the other personality he had. But right. I think this is pretty clearly just, again, it's like that Occam's razor thing. Like this is just the simplest explanation. In a movie that is highly complicated, the simplest explanation is most likely right. Not always, but like that's probably the safest bet. Yeah, it took him 24 movies to get us to the Infinity Stone. So, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, Mike. It's a lot of moving parts and moving pieces. I, I I don't know if they'll get it all done. I don't know if they'll they'll hit them. I, I will throw Agatha out there as a possible sixth only because of the purple stuff and because her going toe-to-toe with Doctor Strange could open the door to other things down the road in the MCU. She could be part of this thing, maybe messing with Strange in some way. That could be interesting, kind of announcing her as a kind of another big villain to worry about in the overall uh, spec because she's going to get that spinoff series. They've announced it and who's going to break her out of that uh, town that she's in. I don't know, but there's a lot of tentacles here. Mephisto. Yes, absolutely. A lot of people already saying Mephisto, but yeah, the other part is this is who is the hand. A lot of people are speculating. Who's the hand that's catching MJ or trying to reach for MJ as she's doing the uh, Gwen Stacy moment. Some people have speculated that it's Tom Holland because he has that glove on in uh in the last film other people speculating that it could be um andrew garfield andrew garfield spider-man andrew garfield's great do-over yeah yeah exactly that he gets to like maybe i have maybe closure here yeah maybe i can save this one because (laughs) when he jumps there's a big head of hair there's a big head of hair that's jumping with him in that spider-man and of course tom holland's hair is longer in this version so it could be his hair but it could also be Andrew Garfield's big quaff that he likes to wear. So I, I don't know. I paused it. I mean, I went frame by frame through this last night in I, the launch along this. It was insane. I think it'd be, to me, again, and like, again, I'm throwing shit out. I am probably wrong about half of what I'm saying. I, I think that it's, I don't think people, I don't think audiences of the MCU care as much about Andrew Garfield's closure as they do about Tom Holland being the hero. And I mean, I think that kind of brings us to the whole, Interesting. Okay. based on all the leaks and, and I, People, I think people are going to get upset. It feels like if I was going to guess, we are getting two more Spider-Men, but we're not getting them until the third act battle. Like, I don't think that this is a movie about Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland running around town, cleaning things up. Like, it feels like there's a whole journey that Tom Holland is going on and him and MJ and Ned are going to go Scooby-Doo the crap out of everything. (laughs) And then at the end of the movie, we're going to get this big moment. And I think probably the reason that Kevin Feige and Marvel have tried to keep, keep it under wraps so much is because there's definitely a feeling like if you overhype this and oversell it too much, and then they're in the last 20 minutes of the movie, people are going to feel really gypped. And I think that we're running a real risk because people are so excited about the possibility of it and really want it. And I think that we all love into the spider verse so much um and which is a movie about a bunch of spider-man and the entire movie working together i think that's what people are kind of hoping and i don't think that's what we're going to be getting that's yeah funny. i'm i mean because the idea of that trio running around sounds I, I mean i think that sounds awesome but ultimately yeah. 
based off of what we've seen, it's really hard for me, at least, to be like, how does this work um, without overshadowing overshadowing our core cast? And like, I I think the poetic justice of Andrew Garfield making the catch this time, like, that's awesome. Right. It's also not going to be Andrew Garfield's movie. It would be it would be creatively unsatisfying to not have Tom save Zendaya. Really? If she if she no. gets saved. Really? If she gets saved. I, I would have no problem with that because it's closure. Because if you've seen the movies and so many people are going to go back and rewatch all these movies and get themselves prepared for this but, to go see it opening night and go see it like multiple times. But the, I mean, look, this is clear in the comics. It's the Gwen Stacy moment. Right. In the spectacular movies, it's the Gwen, like Gwen Stacy falls off a bridge uh falls off from wherever she falls off in spectacular spider-man uh spider-man goes to save her the web either she was already dead or the yeah. web like it's like that's an icon iconic moment right and uh this mj uh zendaya falling off the statue of liberty is very much hearkening back to that moment particularly mm -hmm. if it's the green goblin that tosses her off of that thing right and so having a different spider-man from another movie have his moment to save this universe's spider-man's girl like i just don't think that that is good storytelling okay. um and and just one more thing and this is just to play devil's advocate and john's yeah. in, in support of john i love um, these things yeah. uh, a, a little while ago vogel and i were convinced that luke wasn't showing up in mandalorian Fair. and john, <laughs> john just had a feeling yeah. so this is not the first time that John may it's have true. been right with, with the two writers going, I, man, that didn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I get it. Look, I the reason we're all friends and the reason this, this show works so well is that, you know, we all have our different opinions and, and learned opinions and points of views from the perspective that we have. And I think that's, you know, you guys have been right about a bunch of things as well. So it's just, yeah. but I love to explore all the possibilities. I love to open the door to all the possibilities. And I wouldn't have a problem if, if, if it was Garfield saving her because that's a nice closure moment. I don't know what Toby's closure moment is, to be honest with you. Maybe him and Doc Ock working together, in, you know, because he had so much respect for him at the end of that movie. That could be fun to see for sure. But let's, who do we think is, who do we think Electro is trying to punch? And who do we think punches the lizard in that last shot? Because Electro is going up. He is not looking at that Spider-Man at all that is going against Sandman. And Lizard is getting punched like this. So who are the two people? Do you really believe that that is uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew, and Andrew Garfield? Yes. Uh, Daredevil and Black Cat. <laughs> you know what would be great? Yes. Is if it's Bryce Dallas Howard as... Um, uh, as Spider-Gwen Spider Spider saving, <laughs> saving MJ. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. Just going to get crazy. It's just going to get weird. It's just going to get weird. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, okay. look, I, I, they did an admirable effort to edit out, but, like, yeah, that's a that's a, that's a a money shot of, uh, of, of what we all think it's going to be. I mean, right. that, that's what that was. And I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be great, but it's like we've been saying, and it's like we're saying right now, like, this movie is Tom Holland's movie. Like yep. this movie is about he was he's he was out at his Spider-Man. He's having trouble with it. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. cast a spell to try and fix it. It goes wrong, and it kind of turns into and it's like that Willem Dafoe voiceover later on where he's like, "Oh, poor Peter Parker, trying to have it all, and the world won't let you have it," which is yeah. a very Spider-Man thing. Which is he wants 
his friends who love him to be okay. He doesn't want the world to know that he's Spider-Man because it causes all these problems. He wants these bad guys to not have to die if he yeah. does, if they don't have to. And he's trying to take the entire world on his shoulders and trying to come up with a solution that works. And that's that to me is a really compelling Spider-Man story. And the fact that we'll get some other Spider-Man in there probably in some other cool moments is all the icing on the cake. But I feel like yeah. a lot of people are really focused on the icing. Yeah, uh, and I hope that the cake is good enough that it satisfies them that it's not all icing all the way through. And look, you, you, I mean, you, you might be one hundred percent right, Mike, that they don't come in until the last uh, section of the movie because the leaked photos show them both on essentially what looks like that Statue of Liberty scaffold or whatever that's breaking down. So if that leaked photo is true, then that's when they show up most likely as a part of this whole thing with Doctor Strange and whatever. But and that wouldn't be wrong because I think people would be dying for them to show up at some point. And then when they do show up, there's going to be like nerdgasms all over the theater and people are going to lose their shit. So it's kind of maybe a, an even smarter way of approaching this thing uh, for sure. So any, any other any wild theories or any other anything else you guys want to touch on in the trailer that you guys think could be possible here? Who's in the black Spider-Man suit? Do you think that's do you think that's, that's Tom? Tom Holland? You think Tom it Holland. is oh, inside yeah. out? I mean, he's using I mean, he's using a magical spell that I'm presuming like I think that this yeah. Spider-Man, you know, we went from Spider-Man with Stark Tech to Spider-Man in the Iron Spider suit. Mm -hmm. Now we get a spider suit where he gets to have some Doctor Strange power-ups. Mm -hmm. I mean, which makes sense. If Doctor Strange is like, you need to use this magic to get these guys back wherever you need to get them, right. he gets to do spider magic, which is yeah. probably going to be a toy that you can purchase at uh, a toy <laughs> store near you. Do we have a Miles Morales um, sighting or mention? I would love it if that happened in a post-credit sequence. Okay. All right. I mean... Like, here's my wild theory. Here we and go. I don't know, but like, Let's write it down. Cause, well, because everybody, because everybody talks so much about what happens with Tom Holland after this, what happens with Tom Holland after this. And like, if they go like sort of more ultimate Marvel universe, like in the ultimate comics, like, does Peter not make it out of this? Like, does Peter, does Peter die? Right. I mean, is this the end of, of Peter? Cause like, I remember, I just remember when I was reading Ult Marvel Ultimate, Ultimate Marvel Comics uh, in the Ultimate Marvel Universe, and they killed Peter Parker. And it was brutal. And I was, and I think I said this on the show before, I was very distraught. Mm. And then they had this new kid show up and they're like, hey, this is the new Spider-Man. And I was like, I don't want it. Peter Parker is Spider-Man. I could never, I could never. And then I read the first issue of uh, Brian Michael Bendis's <laughs> new Spider-Man with Miles Morales. And I was like, shit, this is great. I can't, I can't get enough of it. Right. And are they going to just, I think Sony and Marvel probably have the same arguments over Miles Morales that they have over Peter Parker. So I don't think it solves all of the Sony Marvel of it all. Mm -hmm. But does this, does this kind of end this trilogy for Peter Parker and you end it with you see a young Miles Morales? Like that would be. <sighs> yeah, I, I think you'd have to pry this role from Tom Holland's cold, dead hands. I really think there. I don't know if he would ever agree to do something like that. I just seems. Well, Odd. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't get to make that choice. Well, to be I, fair, like he doesn't. I, mean, I think he does a little bit. He doesn't actually get to make that call. But uh, I, 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 I think that there's a lot of juice left in Tom Holland as Peter yeah, Parker. Yeah, so yeah. I don't think that, that that's why it's like it's a wild theory. Yeah. yeah. But it would be a hell like of a it, move. Though. It would be. A lot of people are worried about Ned. That Ned might not make it Ned. out of this movie. I already and said I was, I'm worried about Ned. Yeah, and I think that would that might make sense because Ned's not even supposed to be part of the Peter Parker fucking story that's a miles morales thing so well, is is there another ned 
Well, Ned, well, Ned in the comics, Ned is a Peter Parker friend, but Ned in the MCU is based right. off of uh, as a Genki. Genki. Sorry, that's Genki. what I meant to say. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, right. So yeah. I, I don't think this Ned is going to have a villainous hobgoblin turn. No, no. Um, but I do think uh, if you got to take somebody off the board, that is a that is a death that would have some emotional resonance. Mm-hmm. You save MJ but lose Ned. Oof. I literally, Oof. I literally got a feeling in my throat like I was gonna throw up when you said that. <laughs> I, like, I could feel the puke. Like you were like, save, save MJ, but lose Ned. And I was like, Ooh. save her. Um, <laughs> I, 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 um, Please choose me. If Ned, if Ned becomes, if Ned becomes Peter Parker's Bucky. Oh. And then comes back in three movies as the Hobgoblin, just like Bucky did as the Winter Soldier. I will lose my shit. You can keep your Mephisto. Give me that story. (laughs) One last thing. Do we think that's uh, Thomas Hayden Church as Sandman? Has that been confirmed? I don't know if I've seen that anywhere. I I don't know that it's been been confirmed, but it's him. Okay. But is, see, in that, see, I don't necessarily think uh, Risa Fans is going to show up. I think he's going to be. Yeah. yeah, I think he. Oh, I you think, think it's just going to be lizard? The lizard is going to show. Yeah, up. That's fair. I don't, think, I don't think Kurt Connors is showing up. But yeah, Reese Reese had some uh, tough times on the Amazing Spider-Man set. So yeah, that maybe would. Not, I would be surprised if they brought him back. Yeah, I don't. The only reason that I think they would um, is that Willem Dafoe aside, all the other characters are they're they're kind of tragic. I mean, Otto Octavius mostly. I mean. Uh, like to Johnny's point, like Otto yeah. Octavius in Spider-Man Two is not a bad guy. Like nope. he 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 gets overtaken by those tentacles, but he's a good man. Yes, Kurt Connors is a good man. Uh, right. The right. Jamie Foxx version of Max Dillon, I put I blocked a lot of it out for just PTSD reasons, but was kind of tragic. Like something happened to him that he couldn't control. <laughs> hey. 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 <laughs> and then uh, and Thomas Hayden Church particularly they really oh, yeah, made, they really went they really went to go out of their way to make that yeah. version of Sandman very sympathetic. So I think that again with the exception of Green Goblin who's just a son of a bitch, uh, I think that the reason they might have him in the movie is because this isn't just about having a giant CG lizard fighting Peter mm-hmm. Parker. This is about four characters that really have a level of tragedy to them that Peter Parker would empathize with. Yeah. Um, again, that's what that would be the perfect way to do it. He might have not have wanted to do the movie, so they might not have the choice. And there's just a giant CG lizard, so we'll see. But I think it would be lovely if we did get to see sort of the humanity in each of these villains, literally yeah. in his case. Hey, uh, one last thing. Uh, listen here, you punk kids, don't be laughing at Otto Octavius when your name is <laughs> Peter Parker, okay? All right, you know, disagree. Uh, I mean, your name is Peter Parker. (laughs) Respectfully disagree. Onomatopoeia is onomatopoeia. All right. Well, first of all, it's alliteration. But secondly, I got your alliteration. uh, Secondly, it's it's less the alliteration that's the issue, and more of the I happen to have giant octopus tentacles, but before that happened, my name was Otto Octavius. Don't laugh at the intelligent guy in the room. I didn't like that moment at all. Because I like it. Oh, I thought it was I love great. Yeah, punk kids. Yeah, punk kids. We don't appreciate nothing. All right, anyway, there you go. There's our breakdown 
of the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Hope you all enjoyed it. Hope we uh, touched on a number of things that you all have been speculating about as, uh, in your own conversations with yourself or with your friends and family, what have you. So it was a lot of fun. So uh, this thing is around the corner. I have yet to get an invite. I don't know when the screening is going to happen, but I'm certainly going to fight really hard to get my two Geek Buddy brothers in with me to go see this screening if we can. I don't know if I can secure a premiere this time around, but certainly a screening would be fun. So we'll see what we can do for sure. Uh, but and we'll have our reviews, our non-spoiler and our and our spoiler on this one as well. And you know we're going to talk long into the night on this one once we see it. Um, all right. Uh, that's it. And uh, once again, uh, thank you all for watching here and enjoying our show very much. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Sis. Yeah. Mikey? Um, no matter what universe you're from, we are glad that you are here. Uh, no matter what your name is, if it's Otto Octavius or Peter Parker, we are down <laughs> and you are welcome. Uh, here are some things that you guys can do to help us keep doing our geek buddy thing. Um, first of all, hit the like button below. Always super important, super easy to do. Just do it real quick. You'll make us all very happy. Uh, subscribe to John's Outlaw Nation page. There's tons of amazing content for you to check out. All kinds of stuff covering all kinds of topics. Um, sponsored by Carbon Health. Hey. And also, uh, leave some comments below. Let us know what you thought about the trailer. Let us know what you think is going on. Who do you think the sixth member of this potential Sinister Six is going to be? What are your wild theories? We want to hear them. If you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are available, go ahead and leave us some stars. Leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings so we can get more geeky buddies to join us and as always the best thing that you guys can do is repost retweet and post this video on your socials and tell everybody to check out the geek buddies there you go and yes big shout out to carbon health who is sponsoring the channel and the geek buddies show here they're a leading national health care provider with a mission to bring high quality health care to everyone they have 90 clinics in 14 states and they offer virtual care in 24 states if there isn't a carbon health clinic in your area take advantage of their virtual care services at carbon health Dot com. They got same day appointments, clin in clinics or virtually, and they're committed to removing the traditional boundaries in healthcare. And hey, if you're going to go off and start fighting, you know, supervillains, you're going to need some healthcare help. So let Carbon Health be there for you as well. All right, that's it from us. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here from the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.